Hello everyone, thank you for listening to Around Grandfather Fire. This is a special archived episode of our old podcast, The Jaguar and the Owl, number 62, where we talk about honoring the ancestors and answer questions about ancestor work. Um, This is uh, really the ongoing theme for tonight. This is the second episode, archived episode, that we're dropping tonight, coming in on Thanksgiving and uh, which in the United States here will be this Thursday. So we thought it was appropriate to talk about ancestor work and those things that we do to express gratitude and offerings. Um, thank you so much for listening to Around Grandfather Fire. Sarah and I will have a new episode for you coming into your favorite podcast feed sometime this weekend after we get done recording it. And we look forward to seeing you then. Ancestors, those who came before us, our lineage of teachers, those who are related to us by bone and by blood and by choice. I call to you to join us tonight in a great night, a celebratory night, a night of accomplishments and things happening. And I ask you to come and be with us tonight and share this joy and share this conversation. Join us around this virtual fire and help us to learn about you and your ways and the things that you can bring to our lives. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Jaguar and the Owl, coming to you from The Wandering Owl in Jackson, Michigan. I am your host, James Stovall, known to some as Two Snakes and to others as Shaman Jim, joined tonight by my good friend and co-host, Sarah Thodenson. How are you doing tonight, Sarah? I'm doing well, thank you. We're going to spend a little time chatting tonight. I've got some uh, emails here from listeners, listener questions, which is always a fabulous thing. And, and if you hadn't guessed from the opening prayer, it has a lot to do with ancestor work, which is kind of cool. And Sarenth is going to tell us a little bit about some things that have been happening with him over the last month, uh, initiations and, and such, and uh, at least the parts that he's allowed to divulge, put it that way. And I'm going to tell you guys about some things going on with myself as well and The Wandering Owl. So welcome everybody to the show. Really glad that you could all join us. Uh, Take a moment, if you would, and share the show with a friend. Make sure you're telling a friend about The Jaguar and the Owl. If you like the show, if you're a listener, you can follow us on Twitter, Sarenth, or you can follow me, James at the Owl. But the, the best thing that you can do is actually 
to uh, share the show. Send it out. Uh, you know, I know you're all members of various shamanic chat groups and websites and that sort of thing. Get the word out there. Help people find the show. And also, if you know anybody that's an author or someone that's rather accomplished and you'd like to hear them interviewed, make sure that you send us a message and help us all get in contact with each other so we can have more great interviews. We've had some fantastic interviews over the last couple of years, and I want to keep that ball rolling. So if you could do that for us, that would be amazing. Uh, you can also follow us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash J Stovall. And that, that site you are going to find a place uh, you can subscribe to the show. And that's essentially paying a little bit for every show, just a few dollars, that's all it takes, but it helps us to pay for servers and equipment and web domains and all that other fun stuff. So all the things that nobody wants to bother with, but we have to. It's the material world, well, at least some of the time when we're not doing journeys and not in lost in heavy-duty ritual, it's the material world. So how's that? That's as, yeah, as that close works. to a disclaimer as I'm going to get. How's that? <laughs> I think you've disclaimed the disclaimer and disclaimed the disclaim. So you're well, you know, that. right, right. Well, I, I have been doing this long enough, right? This is how you can tell. The, this is the this is the moment of there may be no absolute truth. So let's uh, make sure that we have all the escape clauses, escape hatches, and escape pods lined up and ready to go. Just in case. Just in case. This is how you can tell someone that's been doing it for a while versus someone who's just getting started. <laughs> sure, we'll go with that. That's Yeah, good. sure. Yeah, all right. Sounds good. Sounds good. If you can't tell, we're in a good mood tonight, having a little bit of fun. I'm actually a little bit worn out. Um, the big news that we've had today is that uh, the Wandering Owl has officially changed locations. We moved about four blocks from where we were. And uh, with the help of some good friends, we spent all yesterday moving the shop and taking it from one location to its new home about four blocks away. And uh, so it could justifiably be said I'm a little bit punchy from being tired. I'll just go ahead and tell you that. That's all right. Yeah, that's <laughs> fair but it's a cool new place, and, and uh, I can't wait for Sarah and, and other people to see it. It's really it's an old house, and so it's got mm. that old house sort of vibe and feel to it. And we're going to have a lot more space for uh, classes, and uh, we're going to have people that are able to treat there at the Owl, like uh, uh, Chinese medicine. We'll have we have a friend that's a practitioner, and she'll be able to practice right there at the Owl. And there's all kinds of other plans going on. It gives us a little outside space too. That way we're able to do things like a fire ceremony that we're going to have on Friday as opposed to our usual metaphysics discussion group. We're going to have a little Peruvian fire ceremony, so that'll be kind of cool that we're able to actually do that at the Owl now as opposed to having to bug out and go find a park or something someplace, which is neat. That is really cool, and the expanded space will give you so much opportunity to do so much more good work. I'm very excited for you. Congratulations. Yeah, well, you know what? You get to be the, uh, because I don't have a reader scheduled on Saturday. Everything got a little bit busy and crazy, and uh, I'll be there on Saturday able to do shamanic cleansings for those that are that are asking, but I haven't really advertised it much of anywhere. And, and cleansings are a little different than anything else, so I have to point out that mm -hmm. you have the honor of being the very first reader that we have at the new space. So 
And that'll be the 27th of the month. That's right. Oh, that's going to be cool. Yeah, right? Oh, it's going to be so weird not to go down my usual route. You're going to have to give me the directions to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Past exactly. the wandering Otherwise, old location. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, you're going to get lost. You know what was really, really cool, though, was uh, moving the spirits out of the owl. It was... That was something I worked on yesterday. I had all these wards and icons and statues and all this other stuff to take out of there to move from one place to the other. Because that was the very last thing that we took out was some of those mm-hmm. spirits. And uh, our, our our daughter, Victoria, she laughed. She thought it was, uh, was going to be like the end of Howl's Moving Castle. She said that, you know, everything's just going to fall in on itself as that last piece of warding comes out. <laughs> but no, no, the old building's still there, but it's amazing because uh, Angie had to go back today to to uh, do a few things, and she said it feels completely different. Like, the, even the smell has changed just in 24 hours, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, well, I mean, geez, especially when you guys, you know, you regularly burn incense in there, Palo Santo, you know, and so it's not going to have this, gonna, those smells might linger for a while, but yeah, I know what you mean by the smell of a place utterly changing. Yeah, and then the new place, it went from the same thing. It was one that was like, you know, it was... Not bad, but it wasn't familiar. It didn't feel quite the same. And then you, you know, you walk in yesterday evening, and it's like, oh, it's lighting right up now. How about that? It's kind of cool. Yeah, that is fantastic, and I'm so happy to hear that you've got the space. Yeah, I think it's going to be phenomenal. And it, it like I said, a little bit of green space out back, which will be nice. And uh, because it's an old house, we actually have a front porch, which is kind of strange. It's going to be kind of odd to be able to sit out on the front porch as opposed to but that's nice because i actually i have to send it to you still that's what i was trying to send you the other day i had a a recording that i made a video recording of uh, standing out on the sidewalk and enjoying my last ceremonial smoke there on the old spot and talking about how many Mm. how many times you and i have lit up a pipe or a cigar or something and prayed to the spirits and had half a downtown staring at us but that's all right yeah, that was fantastic. <laughs> right? So, so yeah, I took a video so of the last smoke So now we're going to have there. more of those. Yeah, exactly. We'll actually have a porch that we can do it on now. It'll almost be... Fantastic. I know it. Right? You can't can't complain about that. That's a good thing. A couple of shamans and some easy chairs smoking and the pipe. So we knew that this was the right spot. You'll love this. It, it, it came pre-blacked catted. We, oh? We, yeah, when we... When we uh, started signing up the paperwork to take over the place, there was this little black kitten running around outside. So it has been brought inside and taken to the vet amongst all the other stuff we were doing. We managed to get it to the vet and everything. So the shop will have a shop cat. It's a, That's it's a, awesome. It's a little black fuzzball with white tufts coming out of its ears that has been named Sirius Black. <laughs> that is fantastic. Right, so you know it's a good occult shot when it has a black cat just waiting for it to move in. That's pretty exactly. Good. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited about that. There was uh, moving all the heavy furniture was yesterday, and and uh, moving all the uh, magical protections and everything else. And Angie's there now, finishing setting up and trim work and all the other fun stuff. So we'll be open for the uh, 5 o'clock on Friday. We'll be opening for our uh, open house, and the Peruvian fire ceremony will be at 7 for those who are within driving distance of Jackson. Uh, It'd be kind of interesting to see what the new neighborhood thinks about this, especially our next-door neighbors. 
Have you oh, heard have you about met them yet? Have you met them yet? <laughs> no, no, I'm just going by their sign. The sign that says Right to Life Jackson. Excellent. This yeah, will work out isn't so that going to well. be fantastic? This is going to work so well. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of looking forward to it in some evil, evil way. But <laughs> does that make me a terrible person? No. Okay. It just means you enjoy fun. That's true. Yep, it allows the full trickster spirit to come out here at this rate, so. But it's nice, you know, I was thinking about it earlier today, so that if there's a uh, right-to-life Jackson uh, rally or something going on there, I can I can provide drinks and beverages and that to the uh, counter-protesters. It'll be fabulous. You know, so it'll work out. It'll be great. You and you're just having to be that little potster. That's right. Well, you know, I'm good you at it. You are shaman, so. I'm good at it. I have talent. So, so if you wouldn't mind, we'll, we'll go ahead and take this in a little bit of a different direction, slightly. And uh, Sure. Tell me a little bit about what's been going on with you and share some of that with the audience, because you've had some phenomenal <sighs> things happening lately. Yeah, so, well, first off... Um, Gosh, do I talk about the job or do I talk about the uh, the two, three, four weeks of work in between? Um, so sometime in, in July, my, I just got back off of another re- retreat, kind of almost back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Um, the first was a uh, shamanic skill share with both my elders in the tradition and um, all, the, um, all the apprentices who could make it. That was really freaking cool. Um, I won't go into too much detail because of how much of the classes were from people mm-hmm. in, in, in their place, but being able to sit down with your fellow shamans and be in that space together and it's a sacred earth that your elder has cultivated a deep, powerful relationship with and experiencing that is just mind-boggling and amazing. And then you have... um you know, all the different techniques you go through on top of it and the things that people bring out. Um, you know, this is my sacred work. This is what I've done so far. And, and that you get to see different people being at different places and you get to feel not so alone in the, I'm not entirely sure that I understand this aspect of this work. And, <laughs> you know, well, I mean, you know, right. When you, when you see that other people really have their stuff together, it, it, it can it can challenge you, and it can also reassure you that you don't need to have everything, mm-hmm. and that you're you're you know there are other people, not only carrying the lineage on, which is awesome, but there's also this this feeling of I don't have to be the jack of all trades, right? Yeah, no, that's understandable. Yeah. And and so it, it's it's really cool to see people branch out in different specializations. You know, because there's certain aspects of the path now that, now that everything's coming together and the lineage is getting addressed and put together um, in a very solid format the the thing now is that you know, you're starting to really figure out where your strengths lie and how you line up with this, that, and the other mm-hmm. and that process alone has been really cool because you know, you've got X and Y skills over here, 
but you've never had anybody to really compare them to because <laughs> oh, I've never sure. met any. Yeah, right. I've never met any any of these other apprentices. This is my first time. So being able to actually sit down and go, oh wow, you know, I not only do you folks get it, you get it very you know deep and intimately and powerfully because you, you're really really initiated into the tradition. Right, right. You're not just somebody who says, you know, oh, I'm a shaman and signed up for a weekend course. No, you folks, you know, you folks are the real deal. You know, besides my elder and besides meeting Raven, I'd never met any other Northern Tradition shamans up until this weekend, really. That's really awesome. Yeah. It, yeah. Stir, it stirs up a lot in me. I know that uh, you and I had the conversations recently that I really feel the urge now to, to head off to Peru and find... Uh, someone further up my my lineage tradition and see what points that I can refine in my own practice. I'm I'm feeling that calling pretty strongly right now. Yeah, and when you when you get to that point of of the elder giving you the instruction and going, "Okay, go this direction." And in some ways that you'd felt very lost, you're like, "No, I was actually walking the path right." That's very reassuring. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I I think out of anything you know, what I got out of that weekend was a sense of reassurance that the road's being walked. It's being walked well, and it's being walked well by a lot of different feet. Mm-hmm. And that, that's part of why it was so dang hard to leave. I mean, don't get me wrong. I do not like August at all. In pretty much <laughs> any, any climate. Because it, it's hot. It's, oh my God. And I, I sweat like a butcher with his hair on fire. <laughs> um, so, uh, not to mention the bugs. The bugs were were thick as thieves, and I made a lot of blood offerings that way. Um, but the 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 real thing that really tore me up when I when I left was that feeling of the community is there, and I am here. You know, that community of shamans and that support and all those things. Because we, we live in such disparate areas in the country. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Uh-oh. Have we lost Sarah? All right. Let's try that. <laughs> Oops. I accidentally hit my uh, USB port just the right way. Oh. Um, Yay, technology. Yeah, let me tell you. Um, so the, the process of leaving that was really kind of tore me up because, you know, it's a very supportive land and I'd gone through a lot of really powerful experiences and then you're, you're leaving that to come home and that 14, 16 hour trip was kind of rough because mm-hmm. I, I, I had drove it both ways, um, and then went right from that into a 16-hour shift at work. Oh, ouch. We would, but if I don't show up to work, we don't make money, at least at the old job. And that kind of brings me, that kind of brings me to the next point was um, in between that and the next thing I was doing, I finally got a call back, and uh, I'm just going to start working for the state soon. So, Which is great be, news. Be, finally be able to really provide for the family. You know, so there's a lot of stuff in my life lining up shamanically right now where I'm being pushed to or being given the tools to really get a handle on things. And that, I can't tell you how powerful and reassuring that is and just how blessed that makes me feel. Right. You know, 
Um, but it also it it puts the struggles I went through to get to this point in some kind of perspective. Like you know, these were worth it, even if I really hated them at the time, and would have given anything to hand them off to somebody else. So yeah, it's it's well, there's a lot of stuff in there to pick apart. I I I like the idea that. Uh, you essentially went all that way to to be reassured that what you're doing here at home locally is actually just as valid as you thought it was. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and cool. you know, my my elder my elder and I do communicate regularly, but it's one mm-hmm. thing to, to 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 read it; it's another thing to hear it. It's another right. thing to experience that you know your elders are sitting there and you're in their presence. It's it's different. It's utterly different. Um. And so that it, it's also been a kind of a theme this last weekend because I went over to New York and, and hung out with my other elder, my uh, my primary elder, and she and I did a lot of intense work. I honestly wasn't sure what to expect, mm-hmm. but being initiated into working with a whole new way of reading and doing this, that, and the other, it was. In the moment, it was like, wow, you know, I wasn't sure how much heavy lifting it was. And then you get out of that headspace and you get out of the trance space and you're like, oh. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's like if you're doing sword fighting for a while and then you take your helmet off and you're a pool of sweat and you're like, oh man, I feel great. And then you take a couple minutes to rest and you're like, oh God, I'm tired. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's kind of the experience I've had for the last month, give or take, um, of I had about two, two or three weeks to breathe in between the two events of the Skillshare and then going to see my elder, um, and it was it, it was in between when I got that call for the job. It was it, it's finally things are starting to move. You know, I've said yeah. I've said for a, a couple of shows, you know, that whole frustration with things are moving at such a snail's pace. How do I get them to move forward? And just having to slog through it, it sucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been feeling really blessed myself because uh, with all the stuff that's been going on, you know, we've been moving the shop or starting to. We would, we started this process several weeks ago, and we had to keep it under wraps, not tell anybody, kind of uh, start all that prep work. We're uh, still in the process of moving houses. Um, we're down a vehicle because having vehicle issues right now and all this other stuff, and I still feel amazingly supported by spirit. I am amazed that uh, that I don't run out of energy, but I seem to be keeping up on everything by and large. With you know, there's always little stuff I think, but but I feel really supported, and it's been really nice. I, I actually find myself in a very opportunistic spot, a very optimistic spot, where it feels like a lot of threads that, that have been. Uh, working for quite a while are starting to come together, so I I, I feel you. Yeah, and it's that it's that coalescing and that that bringing together that when you finally start to see the threads, if you start to see the threads, where you get that aha nod nod, I get it now, and you don't really necessarily get it until it's in the rearview mirror. The fact that I got to see it this time was kind of as a blessing in and of itself. Now. Uh, what was I going to say? Lost track of what I was going to say there. Sorry. The uh, um, 
Well, there was something there, and it completely... Uh, I guess it wasn't that important, then. We'll get back to it some other time, then. But, oh, mm-hmm. I know what it was. Ah, the biggest blessing for me for your new job. I feel blessed about your new job as well, because you managed to get the one that was closest to your current home, so you weren't moving hours away from us here. So that that I actually <laughs> feel blessed about, I have to tell you. Yeah, because it was touch and go, because... Uh just for the audience's sake, I was stuck between two jobs, and I wasn't sure which one was going to offer me first. I had a job that was literally five minutes down the road, ten minutes down the road from where I live. And then I had one that's I would have to move away, and it's three hours away from my home and about two and a half hours away from Jackson. And it's in this little place where I didn't know anybody. So I'm actually really happy that I'm able to stay in this area, this little Oh, this will kick everything up a notch. Yeah, right. Well, and it's it's going to give you that opportunity. Like I said, it's going to be phenomenal because it's going to give you a chance to start accumulating some of the wealth that you need to start working for that uh, very spiritual farm and homestead you've been dreaming about for a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and just the, the, the process of that unfolding has taught me patience in ways I didn't think I would have. I mean... You remember me when we first met. I was a spitfire, and I wanted to know everything. And I was an angry little guy, too. <laughs> now, I'm not saying I've lost any of those qualities, but I have to. <laughs> <laughs> maybe took the sharp edge off him a little bit. And, uh, maybe honed it yeah. for, for better use elsewhere. So, uh, before we, we go too much further afield, I suppose, we've already... It's almost 8.30 already. Can you believe I that? I can't even believe that. I, know I can't it, right? even. So, we have these discussions. Um, <laughs> I know it. Right. Here we Every go. Every time. The two-hour shows. Mm-hmm. As soon as it... Well, I won't ask for anything more. Everything's going fine. I'm not going to ask for more. <laughs> this is good. Smart man. <laughs> if you got a second, Sarah, we do have some uh, listener emails, and a lot of them have to do most of them uh, are coming from tammy's i think i'm going to stick to hers mostly because there's a lot of questions about ancestor altars and she had listened to our previous shows quite a few of them and wasn't quite finding the answers in a at least not in a convenient location if we had discussed them before so she wanted to know if we would answer some questions for her oh yeah all right so the the first one is probably the easiest in a lot of ways and uh it's how long do you leave offerings for because food spoils? Okay. Uh, don't leave food till it spoils. I usually wait, depending on what kind of food it is. If I know it can, it can, leave, it can be left out for a week, mm-hmm. like w- once the food's gone stale, I know the vitality is out of the food. Mm-hmm. Like if it's, if it's bread and it's not going to rot and you can leave it on there week to week, I would do that. Um... Sometimes you know you take it the day off after. Like when I offer meat, I generally speaking will pour it out the day after because it'll mm-hmm. start getting fuzz- fuzzies and stuff in it. Right. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. So it's it's just paying attention to what you offer. Um, water we change out once a week. The main one I uh, use for an offering is still the uh, coffee, and so that one's an easy for me mm. because they get the first cup. I make a pot, they get the first cup, I get the next. Yeah. Yeah, the, so, the coffee's relatively easy. 
Yeah. Now, unless you put sugar in it, in which case you're going to want to pour it either the day out, the day of, or the day after. Well, that's true. The, I uh, made that mistake. Oh my gods. <laughs> and it is an interesting. <laughs> it is an interesting difference because now there are some. If you were dealing with deities as opposed to ancestors, there are some where it is completely appropriate to let the food rot. But Absolutely. ancestors is something different. So it's a good question. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So this one is a good one, though it's a little bit more challenging. Uh, what kinds of questions would you ask ancestors or ask spirits to make sure they are an ancestor if you did not know them when they were alive? So we're going under, I think, the presumption that you don't have an established contact with some sort of ancestor mm-hmm. spirit. Maybe there's family trauma or something like that. So you're trying to deal with an ancestor that's a little further back. How would you go about, uh, what questions would you ask and how would you go about um assuring that it is an ancestor. Well, there's actually a couple of other assumptions baked into this cake because you've you you know in order to evaluate this correctly, you need to know uh if you know the the name of the ancestor or if it's just a surname. Because you know there there's folks who come to me who say, you know, I don't know this part of the family, I just have the surname. Mhm. And, and so, you know, if you have the, the first middle and last name and you know the date of birth and death you can gauge better i think than you know, oh and a photograph is, is is a good thing to have too if you've got it right but um but having their given name is is really vitally important <sighs> um but if you don't have it you know well, i wouldn't say it's vitally important because there's plenty of ancestors i work with that i don't have the names to mm-hmm. but what the, the big thing for, for our tradition is you establish a right relationship with the powerful female and male dead, the Desir and the Feter. You know, and they help you figure that out. Um, but all you have to you do, you do your due diligence. You do your divination. You double check with people. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, a lot of my advice for this falls under the same thing I, I advise people in terms of their ancestor practice anyway. Right, yeah. That's the direction I was going. you got to make sure you do... If, if it's somebody that you just have no relationship to or you didn't know in life, uh, I, I should say, I should clarify that, did you didn't know in life, you have to make sure that you've, like you said, done the due diligence. You've got to, uh, if there are stories about them, if there's old letters, if there's things that you can glean about them, that's a good place to start. You have oh, to yeah. Divination. Uh, divination is always key. And, you know, here's one of those cases where knowing somebody that does have an established ancestor practice might come in handy because then you can go to someone, someone like you or I that has a lineage tradition or has done a lot of ancestor work and say, uh, you know, I'm really kind of completely clueless here. And, and can you do the divination or can you ask your ancestors to help vet this out for me? And, And that's a, you know, a lot of times you have to rely on your community elders for that sort of information if you're really just not sure. Yeah, I mean, that, that's my usual go-to is if I can't figure it out with simple divination or genealogy research or anything like that, take it to an elder. Yep. You know, if you don't have an elder or if you're not part of a tradition, take it to a, a, an elder anyway. You know, if, if, if that elder doesn't have the ancestors, ancestors answers for you, they should be able to find somebody who can find the answers. Ooh, excellent question from a uh, uh, message I just received. What if you don't know any surnames? Any thoughts on that? Ooh, so 
That's tricky. Like, mm-hmm. I get this question a lot with the ancestor classes I, I've run at Convo with folks who, um, will say, you know, I'm adopted. I don't. My records are sealed. What do I do? Mm-hmm. The best advice I got for you is just contact the heads of those families that you don't know. Contact the the, pow- the most powerful and organized ancestors of the female and male lineage and don't forget the the uh, third and other gender dead either in that too um, and just just build a relationship just start with the simple stuff and they'll reveal themselves or they won't and it's entirely possible that with you know with some of these family lines you know if the parents didn't want you to know them maybe they they don't want that relationship but I find most often with adoption cases and folks who just don't know they really want that contact. I have yet to find an ancestral house that doesn't want the next generation to know them. I, I, I allow for the possibility that, that that's there because I've heard of a couple of folks who said my ancestors rejected me, but there's very, very special circumstances around that. I find the general rule is that one way or the other, your ancestors will try and reach out to you. Right. Well, it's going to speak to you through your blood, obviously. But let's not discount the fact that there are families, and as I said in the opening prayer, there's families of choice, too. Your step-siblings are, or parents or whatever are just as much of an ancestor connection as is a teacher. And we're not necessarily even limiting this to a spiritual teacher. You know, If there was a uh, very trusted high school teacher, counselor, someone in, in the past in your life that uh, that has since passed on that but they made a huge impact and you can really feel like you can vet their personality just by by sense mm-hmm. alone by familiarity with them that's a great place to start that one is just as as powerful a connection those those ancestors by choice sometimes can be more powerful because they did they chose right well especially especially if you're talking about ans- ancestors of lineage mm-hmm. you know when you become a shaman or when you do when you become a spirit worker or when you become a priest or whatever whenever you tap into those sacred functions you're tapping into an entire lineage even if it's if you know you're going back further than you know modern times by dint of you know maybe this lineage only started reviving itself so there's there's a lot there and there's a ton of ancestors behind that work that you could work with and even even t- to the degree that um, you can venerate certain members of the dead as ancestors or in a heroic capacity. For instance, I um, venerate my elders of my tradition, and I've started up a practice around Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Mm-hmm. Now, I know he did... And the thing is, is I really want to emphasize this with ancestor work because people will say, well, what about the horrible stuff ancestor X or Y did? FDR was the guy that put the internment camps into place. I cannot ignore that. Mm-hmm. However, he's also the one that helped the working class come out of the Great Depression. And that's mm-hmm. one of the, that and his, his getting us through World War II is one of the primary reasons that I put him on the ancestor altar. That doesn't mean I get to ignore his crap with the internment camps, the horror that he put on Japanese people. It means that just like with our ancestors, we have to acknowledge as best we can help to pay for the debt we incur through them. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and FDR's kids are going to have to handle that in their own family lines. I don't necessarily think that you take all your, 
all the problems on by yourself, mind. But ancestor work does bring with it obligations to the people that your ancestors might have harmed. We, yeah, you absolutely have to take the good and the bad. You have to because they're 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 part of the package when you do this work. Well, and you know, not making excuses either because sometimes there is none. But we, I, I am conscious of the fact when I'm working with some of the elder ancestors that just like I am a product of the time I'm currently trapped in in this meat suit so are they and there was times when there was times when all these really things that are just completely and totally unacceptable now were seen as normal and they like again not excusing it but realizing filtering it through their lens they didn't see it the same way I do at this time if that makes sense Yeah, I mean, it's not our job to shame the ancestors for mm-hmm. wrongs they commit. It's our job to help them atone and pay the debts back. And there's a difference, because shaming our ancestors doesn't necessarily mean the problem gets fixed. Right. You know, so, we can be embarrassed that Uncle Johnny or, or Grandma Jane did some horrible stuff when they were alive, but being ashamed of that doesn't help the fact that we aren't doing the work to repair those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, and, and really, in a way, this ties into the last question about what happens if you don't know surnames and that sort of thing. I, I feel like it's all tied together because the next question is, uh, mm-hmm. what is the difference between an enlightened ancestor, an elevated ancestor, a normal ancestor, or and, and sub-question, what does the elevating do for them? Oh, wow, that's a... This, right. Who did you, Yeah, these are good questions. Right, we got 20 um, minutes left, right? So... <laughs> right. So, okay, here's the thing. I don't call my ancestors who have attained power enlightened because mm-hmm. that's not really the thing that is worth focusing on. Old ancestors have a different perspective. It's not mm-hmm. necessarily better because these old ancestors don't have practical experience with, say, digital technology that when I die, I'm going to have. So there's certain ancestors that their enlightenment per se is long-term perspective less so than okay they're dead and now poof they're enlightened mm-hmm. um, the difference that I see between ancestors who have been enlightened um, and ancestors who are just freshly dead or have just been made ancestors uh, the difference I see there is that they are comfortable in their role mm-hmm. helping to take care of their bloodlines and they're not traumatized anymore over being dead. Yeah, that's that's probably a good way to. Con- I I would also throw in there that uh, they have a really good line of communication with the other spirits around them, and and due to their mm-hmm. age or wisdom or enlightenment, elevation, however you want to phrase these things, they have extra authority that allows them to. They're respected, you know. It's like the the person in your 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 team leader, your your captain of the neighborhood watch the guy that everybody kind of goes to and, and that's kind of the role that they play and that's uh that gives them that certain level of strength in order to help you and sort things out and so if you don't know surnames I, the way i the way i feel that ties together is even without surnames and that sort of thing if you are to call out to an enlightened or elevated a powerful ancestor they're most likely to be able to hear your call even when you don't have those surnames and that sort of thing does not 
rule out the need for divination and verification. It's just an acknowledgement that those are the ones that are probably the most likely to be able to hear you. Yeah, and if surnames are not a thing that you can access, epitaphs mm-hmm. and and titles can be used instead. You know, like the eldest of my line, you know, the eldest of my matrilineal line, mm-hmm. if you don't know their surnames, is a, a perfectly acceptable substitution. Um, I, I, I told a person once, and see if this makes sense to you, and, and I hope it does, because I still doesn't not totally sure it makes sense to me, but I was doing a... a, a a ritual for somebody once and they didn't have any connection to, they were adopted, had no connection to their, their blood ancestors. And what spirit told me really strongly was to look for a certain type of photo. They said, they, they told me to tell this person that you'll be looking through an old magazine, an old national geographic websites of uh, historical photos. And they were looking for a certain that was a person that was dressed a certain way. And they said, that will be us. And he said, does that mean that there's a literal and blood connection to the person in the photo? And the spirit's answer was along the lines of, it doesn't matter. Use that image that we've directed you to find as the photo that you put on the ancestor altar. That is us for the practice that you need. Yeah, and and there's this kind of, there's a power in seeking too. Mm -hmm. And it's almost kind of a coming home thing. I think that some ancestors do look for like <laughs> I don't know. This is this is a complex topic. I mean, mm-hmm. we could easily spend several shows talking about just this one thing. <laughs> I think that like was the, a- the biggest thing would probably be just to get divination. Right. Just divination, divination, and, and do your, or advice your, and help homework. from someone who's been doing it and ha- and has good access to their own ancestors. Sure. Yeah, because anything um, I tell you, boiler, boilerplate at this point isn't going to fly very well. Right. Uh, question next series of questions really all kind of have to do with the same thing mm-hmm. and they're all things like how often do you clean the altar the altar cloth uh, if you put stones or crystals on it and they don't spoil do you take them off at some point in time it, a lot of it has to do with altar maintenance and, and for me that one uh, my rule of thumb has to do with entropy itself when you have mm-hmm. an ancestor altar that has a lot of dust on it or cobwebs or anything else, if it doesn't look like it's maintained, if it doesn't feel maintained, then first of all, you're telling them straight up that you know, you're know you not a priority to me. Second of all, there's a entropy, there's a slowing down process that happens mentally to us, spiritually, when things are covered with dust and when they're old and, and you're slowing that connection down, you're slowing them down in a sense, slowing down their ability to connect with you, and so that's my kind of rule of thumb, is don't let it feel stale. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I tend to, if nothing else, I tend to change my altars up uh, with my family around the season change. And also do regular check-ins, you know, do every three to six months, do a check-in and see you know, are your spirits happy with the situation? You know, are they happy with the offerings they've been getting? Are they happy with the yeah. layout? Are they, you know, because, Nothing. you know, your ancestors that always want to be in the corner may come, you know, three months from now may want to be the center of attention and your gods might want to be on the back burner for a while. Yep. Yeah. And that kind of goes with some of the other questions on here too. Uh, um, how long? A lot of that is like there's a question about how long do you sit there. I only I only set aside as, as much time as I feel like I need to. When do I change mm-hmm. my 
uh, ancestor altar over or make sure it's cleaned when I feel like I need to. It's, I mean, so it's like a, any other relationship. There's going to be right. times of the year where, you know, like say during the holidays, you had a, a grandmother, different faith. She was, you're, you're not Christian, but she was, and she was really into the holidays and that sort of thing. And so around Christmas, she wants to spend extra time with you. So it now becomes 20 minutes. Maybe it's completely opposite during the summer. Everybody's busy. In real life, they would have been out in the garden. They don't got a lot of time for sitting around. And so maybe during the summer, it's really slow. A lot of these things are very organic because they're relationship-based. There's not a hard-set calendar or rule book. Yeah, and you might find yourself, uh, especially if Grandma lived in a, a different climate than you, that, you know, the times where you'd be hunkering down and getting warm, she's like, why don't you get your butt outside, you bum? You know. <laughs> now you're the perfect yeah, one. I, you, I, I, yeah, I suppose ahead. we both uh, we both fall under this category, but you've talked about it more. So um, you you how you do a really good juggle between different faiths. So like you know you have a lot of Catholic ancestors, and uh, you want could you talk a second about how you balance that out? Oh yeah, sure. So um, one of the things the Catholic ancestors. Um, said, okay, well, if you're not going to be Catholic, could you at least start carrying Catholic things around and occasionally do prayers? Now, mind you, I haven't done the Beatitudes or the Hail Marys or anything like that in a while, and I need to, and I, you know, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I can hear him talking right now. Okay, I will take care of that later, okay? Um, <clears throat> sorry. Anywho, um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't done, I have, I have not done my due diligence on getting growled at. Um, so, one of the things I do is I carry around a pocket, uh, new, the Psalms, Proverbs, New Testament, those little Gideon pocketbook ones. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those are cool because you have access to bibliomancy anywhere you walk around, especially with the Christian ancestors. So if, if you think that they need to give you a message or if you want to ask them a question, you know, I'll, I'll do in omne patria tili et spiritus sancti, kiss it, and then uh, ask them to guide my hand and then open to the passage they want me to read. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they also serve as a really frigging useful liaison between myself and other Christian dead. That's a piece I was missing. Okay, I know how to connect. The- Sorry, this is lineage stuff that I'm working out as we're talking. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, so the the ancestors kind of, of provide a help meet for the for other dead that I work with, especially other Christians who want to priest but I'm not qualified but they're like but our son can pray to you <laughs> <laughs> so a yep. he um, so, so the way that I thread this needle is I, I honor the saint that I was initiated to the Catholic Church under I honor him on my ancestor altar I honor St. Francis de Assisi I have two of his icons now on my altar. I would like to get a statue of him someday because he's freaking awesome. Um, and I honor my Catholic dead. I have, they have a space on there. And um, so it kind of all ties into the, the daily rituals and the daily work. Um, you know, sometimes the Catholic ancestors just want water like the rest of them. Sometimes they actually just want to sit with me and pray. Yeah. And they, they, they know how I feel about Yahweh. We have an understanding about this. So right. I honor him because he's a god, but he's not mine. Well, you know what's really and cool think- about this is... Um, like in my own uh, 
traditions. I, I, you know, I put like some of the Catholic prayer candles on my ancestor altar, and I've got a, a crucifix that my grandfather made and that sort of thing. But what's really kind of cool about this, and I've come to realize this, is that it is a two. It, once again, we're back to that relationship, that two-way street. By working with mm-hmm. my ancestors, I'm assuring them that I am still a moral and upright person, and even though I'm not following their faith, I'm, I'm being a good person. And at the same time, right. them, them bringing forth their Christianity or whatever faith it was, even in, in death, um, uh, in a way is helping me work on my issues. Because like most people who left the Christian faiths, there were some hang-ups and there's some points that rubbed me a little bit hard. And so there's this is a... This is a two-way street where they were working with me and helping me resolve that issue in myself as much as I was helping to honor them and assure them that I was a good person. So it's kind of a cool thing to happen. Yeah, it's very much opening a two-way street. And the communication with the ancestors is as such that maybe someday I will bring out the Mary and Jesus that I have in my... um closet at the moment maybe i'll bring them out and either put them in a place of honor near the ancestor altar or give them their own altar space because while they may not be my gods they're my ancestors gods and Mm -hmm. you know so while i don't believe that way anymore it's like you kind of give them that place of respect because that's what you owe your ancestors (laughs) and i mean so there's this this funny interplay that happens. You know, I, I don't have a whole lot of trauma around my Christian background that other mm-hmm. folks do. So I don't have an aversion to praying most of those prayers. I just have to be very careful of which ones I pray because ones which exalt Yahweh above all others are ones that I have to avoid. Right, right. By dint of you know, by dint of my my job. Um, but I I encourage people to occasionally go and. You know, go back to the, the places where your ancestors came from. And one of the ancestors you came from, probably for a good chunk of your ancestors at some point was church. Because mm-hmm. even if you don't like it, they do, and that gives you insight into into who and how they were. Right. Yeah, I've got the, the, the eldest ancestor I have here locally, without going out to New Jersey or, or uh, New York, that kind of, the local, the, the one here in Michigan, uh, from my father's side of the family, they are buried like practically under the foundations of this little Lutheran church. And so to go there is to really kind of accept that and, and feel that energy and, and actually feel the joy of that sort of place and come at it from a different way. Yeah, and it might provide healing for your ancestors between the two houses, between the ancestors who are Christian and the ancestors further back who were polytheist because mm-hmm. that does that does produce really big rifts in the family. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so we're running low on time. We probably should have started these questions earlier, but uh, um, let me see. What are, there are a couple big... Because there's a couple big ones left. But um, mm-hmm. So let, let, actually, let's do the one that I think is probably going to be... The couple that will be the most useful... Uh, what do you do if your ancestors are angry or upset? First off, uh, do your, do your due diligence to figure out why they're upset. Mm-hmm. Um, don't just offer them something and say, okay, calm down, please, because that might actually make them angrier. Have you ever tried saying, oh, please don't be angry when somebody's in the middle, flying in the middle of a rage? It doesn't work very well. Um, 
so the the thing that I tend to do is I tend to figure out why they're angry. That way I can address it. Um, I mean, if they're if they're absolutely inconsolable, stuff's flying around, or the ancestor altar, or the family is just upset. Yeah, sure, go ahead, put the fire out, however you need to, uh, within respectful reason. But I I tend to to go to the okay. You're clearly upset. What needs to, what's upsetting you? How can I help? Or right. can I help? Right, exactly. Because sometimes you can't. Yeah, sometimes you just got to be angry. So yeah, like any other relationship, you got to ask what's going on, see if there's anything you can help, take responsibility for the things that are yours, and don't take a bunch of responsibility for things that aren't yours without careful consideration. How's that? Yep. Yeah, um, because and, you know, sometimes it's not yours to ask. Well, yeah, exactly. All. It might be, and they might be angry at your mother, your brother. They could be asked, angry still about the situations that happened before they died with other people that have died, and there's not much you can do about it. I know I had one person, a, a friend of mine, ask me once that they had an ancestor that just was inconsolable, really couldn't do much anything about it. And here's a here's a trick that I don't know for good or for ill, it, it does work. Uh, purple, the color purple. Lots of purple on the ancestor altar. Lavender works really well. And so, like, take whatever symbol or thing that you connect to that particular ancestor and just give them lots of purple. And that will not necessarily resolve the issue. But a lot of times it can calm them down enough where you can actually then ask them. Because sometimes, just like with uh, any other person or a child or... An older person, any of us, you sometimes you get so caught up in the grieving, weeping, anger process that you're not really expressing what's going on well. So it doesn't matter who asks you what, you're not going to give them a useful answer. Right. Yeah, sometimes it's just really not your bag to deal with. Sometimes yeah, you just exactly. got to... Ha- yeah. And at the end of the day, you're not the most powerful ancestor. You, you know, you're an ancestor in the making. Call on your powerful female and male dead, especially the females. They're the ones that... That really, um, the, the, they're the ones that that uh, organize the family line, right? So I'm kind of torn here. There's a couple different questions that that might be useful. So, and once again, we're almost out of time, Sarah. So um, you and I will have to be brief with this one. Um, but this is probably the most useful, the one that people are going to wonder about, which is, does calling on them if they've recently passed keep them from going where they should? My answer to that is possibly. I'm going to, I'm going to, there's a lot of asterisks and caveats and other stuff here. Generally speaking, uh, like with a lot of things that you love, you have to let things go and come back. A lot of traditions, it's going to be a year mm-hmm. before you'd add them to an ancestor altar, maybe longer. It could end up actually being longer than that. The danger that you have with trying to call on them too soon isn't even necessarily just to them. It's also to you because they right, become right. attached to you and cling to you, and that could... So there's all kinds of different theories. Sarah and I have had a lot of conversations about soul mm-hmm. fragmentation that happens when someone passes on. You might not be getting all of them stuck to you or hanging around your house kind of stuck or whatever, but you might get that part that's heaviest, densest, has the most trouble passing on. And you want to make sure that doesn't 
unless you're a really skilled practitioner and you've got a ton of life doing this, you you got to be really careful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, best thing to do, in my opinion, is wait a year. You know, if the person's just died, don't call on them. They're they're still adjusting. I mean, yeah, exactly. You, you don't you don't you don't visit a family member who has literally just moved into their new house unless you're the one helping them move in. And even yeah. so, I would still wait a year. Yeah, I mean, you got to be a really skilled practitioner to to be aware of and and understand the 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 danger of hungry ghosts. And even those really skilled practitioners, they they set that year aside, they set that time aside. They don't they're very careful. I mean, a lot of times, you know, a lot of cultures, they don't even use the person's name anymore for fear of things coming back. So, yep. Yeah, it's like all kinds of cautionary problems here. You just have to be very careful. Yeah, I mean, the last thing you want to do is drag a piece of your ancestor back that needed to go get recycled. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. What you what I think the general agreement between several of us that have talked about this is you're not going to prevent some of their higher aspects from moving on, but what you're going to have a lot of trouble with and what you might actually prevent is the lower aspects, the more dense aspects, the things that were anger or guilt or whatever that need to be processed and move on. You're going to have, you're going to restrict those from being processed. And so that's where the problem is. Yeah. That's all I've got to say on it for now. Yeah. I mean, we, we really probably, we should probably have one of those uh, shows where we dial up Key Armand and Joy and and several of yeah. them have like this big round robin where there's five of us. Okay, so there's your next idea for a panel discussion, Sarah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I see we're almost to the end of our time. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I just got a message from Sarge a few minutes ago where we can go a couple minutes past the top of the hour, so we're it's Excellent. not quite panic mode yet. So uh, Okay, good. But, uh, so let's do really another question. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know if we'll have that much time by the time we get in closing prayers and stuff. But, man, I really, I really appreciate those questions. Uh, keep sending them in, people. If you have more questions, send them in. Because if Sarah and I haven't encountered it, we are more than happy to go talk to our ancestors, the people that we know, to go back to people that we've interviewed before and say, hey, we we want to discuss this. Will you come on and talk about it? And and that's the kind of the difference between our show and a lot of them is we want to get down to the meat of this stuff. It's not here. We're not here just to help somebody sell their book or something. That's not interesting to me. That's I want to do stuff that makes a difference in people's lives. So if you have those sorts of questions, please send them in. And, you know, even on this, since we're talking so much about ancestors, um, I, I just got, I got a message in the back of my head the other, uh, a few minutes ago that, um, if you have a photo of an ancestor and you kind of want to venerate and talk about them, if you want to just express how proud you are of them as ancestors, put them at, when I post this up at the, the Jaguar and the Owl dot com as, as an archive show here within the next day or so, put that photo up as a photo comment so we can all see it. We'll all, anybody that comes to the board, Sarah and I will all say hello to your ancestors and talk to them about that. That's what, I don't know, I feel really strongly compelled to, to, to make that offer that we will we will let you have a proud place to display an ancestor photo and, and we'll come by and say hi to them as well. So, so sorry, Sarah, really if I like signed you that. up for more work, but I, I kind of No, like no, actually it's, it's bringing something else to mind. I might actually start up 
a uh, something called the Ancestor Shrine, and where you can post prayers and pictures of your ancestors or something. It's oh, something that'd be fantastic. That'd be fantastic. Maybe once in a while we just go through a show and pick out some names and start doing some prayers as well for people whose ancestors kind of mm-hmm. are asking for it. So, woo, new projects. Yay, there's never enough. <laughs> <laughs> he says sarcastically. Note that, Spirit. I said sarcastically. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's okay. All right. So, any, with any that, I... <laughs> yeah. With that, I suppose we should probably wrap up the show. Did you have any final thoughts on anything? Not particularly. I think I think this was a good show. I'm glad we did a catch-up. Maybe the That's next right. one, um, if we don't have anybody signed up for another episode, maybe we should do another catch-up episode. Yeah, I think so. We still got a couple questions on this email alone that we can address. So, uh, If anybody Sweet. wants to, uh, there's some expression, too, that people want to meet Sarenth and I there. Sarenth and several other people are desperately trying to talk me into coming to Convocation again this year, so I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that. But you can catch, I think Sarenth is going to be there well. You can at least catch me, uh, Ann Arbor Pagan Pride, if you're in the area in September. I will be doing the Peruvian Fire Ceremony at Ann Arbor Pagan Pride, which will be a, an attend, uh, free-to-attend event where you're just asking for donations. So make sure to check yep. it out there, Ann Arbor Pagan Pride. With that, I think we're going to have to call it a show. Thanks, Sarah, so right. much for joining us, uh, joining me tonight and helping me discuss this stuff. I know everybody out there really appreciates it. We always get really good feedback when we do these kinds of shows. No problem. Thank you for having me. And thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the ancestors for coming to us tonight, for helping us do the show, for speaking through us, for protecting us and bringing us all these blessings so we could share them with everybody else. Our ancestors, I ask you, help everybody out there that that is needing to connect to their venerated ancestors, their powerful ancestors, to, if you can, help them find that connection. Ancestors, of all the people listening, we ask you to to form that connection with your family, that two-way connection, that beautiful relationship, and build an ancestor practice. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening, and thank you to the gods, the ancestors, and the spirits. And we'll talk to you next time.